welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. We are a reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message.
Scripture comes, I believe, it's not listed here, from 1 John 4, 11 through 13. I hope I got that right. Yeah. <laughs> and there's confirmation from the galley. Beloved, <clears throat> sorry. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. 
No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and God's love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in God and God in us, because God has given us the Spirit. May God add his blessing to the reading of God's Word.
Amen. God has work for us to do. Thank you, choir. Thank you, Jerry. Will you pray with me, please? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, happy Pride, Epworth! And even as I say that, I know that many of us have been raising our voice in protest over the last week, over the last days, proclaiming the importance of gun policies that don't put public safety in jeopardy, of racial justice policies that repent and repair centuries of harm, of health care policies that allow us to make responsible, informed, and faithful choices. It's been a week, or maybe a month, or maybe a six years. How long has it been? It's been a while, to say the least, as we wrestle with the realities that are in front of us. And now here we are at Pride Sunday. And so, on this Sunday, at least, I hope you'll take a moment to celebrate. Celebrate life, celebrate love, and celebrate that asserting the right to live with dignity and authenticity and equal protection under the law has been with us and brought us quite far since the Stonewall Uprisings in 1969. And I know also what might be welling up as I say this is, but Kristen, those rights of equal protection under the law are much more in jeopardy now. Yes, that's true. But I hope you'll take this one day, at least, to celebrate and take joy in what is true, even as we hold simultaneously how far we have to go. We are blessed and we have a ways to go. Six years ago, during Pride Month, I was at the annual meeting of uh, religion and foreign policy at the Council on Foreign Relations in New York. The Council on Foreign Relations has been around for 100 years, and its mission is to put senior leaders from various sectors of American society into conversation with each other on matters of national interest. And at the opening dinner of the Religion and, and Foreign Policy Annual Meeting, I was seated next to Reverend Pat Bumgardner, the longtime senior minister of the Metropolitan Community Church in New York City. In the course of our conversation, I mentioned to her that I'm a United Methodist minister. Oh, she said. <laughs> and I felt my body tense. Here I was sitting next to one of the heroes of LGBTQ activism, a clergy person who has cared for LGBTQ persons in the city of New York for 35 years, a justice leader in a Christian denomination dedicated since its founding in 1968 to making sure there was a church, not just inclusive of LGBTQIA Christians, but that celebrated us. And I felt 
my body tense. And I realized that I was bracing myself for her to comment, and you know this because of your response when I shared her O, was bracing myself for her to comment on how the United Methodist Church still doesn't officially ordain queer clergy and still has policies that officially discriminate against LGBTQIA persons. Oh, she said, were you part of that mass coming out of queer clergy that happened a couple of weeks ago? And I felt my body relax. She was referring to the public announcement of 111 United Methodist clergy at the Portland General Conference that said to a denomination that won't officially ordain us, you've already ordained us. We've been in your pulpits for a long time. Our call is from God, and it's been confirmed by the community. We're serving as clergy leaders in this denomination because it's our denomination too. And we see a more excellent future for it through our voice and our presence and our leadership. You remember that action. It was an action that sent shockwaves through the general conference, and it was a key among decades of organizing and activism that precipitated our current reckoning over human sexuality. This action also called lay people and other clergy to stand with us and set thousands signed on to a commitment saying that they would, that they would resist our removal, that they would, they would continue to support us and our churches in performing same-sex marriages. And so I responded to Reverend Baumgartner, yes, I was one of the organizers of that action. And she said, well, when that was announced at MCC New York in worship, the whole congregation cheered. They stood up and clapped for a long time, she said. And as I pictured the scene, I felt their joy and the feeling of freedom, of light and life filling their sanctuary. Instead of rebuke or pity from this sister colleague, I received shared celebration. And I remembered the words from scripture, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I remembered the words from the song that we sang this morning, God delights when we are creators of justice and joy. Have you ever been in a similar situation when you focus on what wasn't happening, maybe what you perceived as your own shortcomings or all the work that was left to do toward the goal? And someone comes along and reorients you toward all that is right, all that is blessing, and all that there is to be joyful about? I was reminded that night that when we hear of something that expresses the heart of the gospel, which is about love and liberation. We know it, and our bodies know it. And we, we, what, you know, we, we do hold tension in our body, but when we hear the, the heart of the gospel of love and liberation, we can feel our bodies also respond to that and relax. And we can't help but respond in other ways, too, to clap, and stand and cheer as they did at MCC that day. When we get in touch with what Jesus really came to show us, 
Our spirits can't help but to be moved to a deep place of hope and peace. And we then realize that we are being moved to express the heart of the gospel ourselves. Reverend Pat's words moved me from a place of fear as she began to speak to a place of joy and freedom. I then shared with Reverend Pat that in seminary I had read the autobiography of Troy Perry, the gay pastor who founded the MCC, and that his story had been a solace and inspiration to me when I didn't see how proceeding with ministry was going to work out. I love the title of his book, The Lord is My Shepherd and He Knows I'm Gay. I learned more about Reverend Pat's story. As a high schooler, she felt called to the priesthood. She grew up Catholic, but she was told that she would never be a priest. Her voice was too high. She was too short to ever be an effective preacher. You know, you can get risers. Her identity as a lesbian disqualified her, they said, for any kind of leadership. This resonated with me, similar messages I've received. And yet I also resonated with that incomprehensible conviction that she had, that in spite of all messages to the contrary, something else was not only possible but right and embodied part of my purpose for being on this earth. Our scripture today, which you heard Randall read, is from 1 John. Beloved, since God loves us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love God, God lives in us and God's love is perfected in us. By this we know we abide in God and God in us because God has given us of God's spirit. Beautiful words. But the middle verse rendered in our English Bibles as no one has ever seen God obscures a nuance that's in the original Greek. It's not just simply and literally that we haven't seen God. A more accurate translation might be that God is beyond our comprehension. God is beyond our comprehension. Growing up gay in an age before the internet is kind of like that, beyond comprehension. Today it's hard to imagine a lack of positive examples of gay lives. If any kind of Wi-Fi or streaming is an option. But most of us in this sanctuary, especially since the children and youth are doing something else at this moment, most of us in this sanctuary were alive in a time when the vast majority of, of uh, for, the, for the vast majority of people, there were no overt messages that suggested that anything but heteronormativity was an option. The poet Adrian Rich called this compulsory heterosexuality. And actually, this is an important essay to reread if you, or read if you haven't read it in light of Friday's Supreme Court ruling overturning Roe versus Wade in the way that the essay paints a picture of a path to a new reality of inclusion and non-domination. But simply put, Rich was naming, what Rich was naming was that 
the societal pressure to accept that there is only one way of being in relationship is a real pressure, but it is a false construction. She was pulling back the curtain, and behind that curtain was a complex, mutually supportive vision of freedom and affirmation for persons of all sexual and gender identities. In fact, it was a reordering of society itself. For myself, I remember going to the public library in high school, trying to understand my own experience, and coming up empty, which is ironic since both Epworth's current and past reconciling committee chairs are lesbian librarians. But finding nothing at the library didn't quell the sense that there was something inside of me beyond comprehension that I knew didn't match the examples of lives and loves I was seeing around me. And I knew that this sense, this thing beyond comprehension was good and it was life-giving. In a way that, that animals know and are drawn to water, I felt compelled to keep searching for this whatever it was that was beyond comprehension, but felt like life. The third, the third verse in our scripture for today is rendered in our English Bibles in this way. By this we know we abide in God and God in us because God has given us of God's spirit. And again, what is translated from the Greek into English loses a bit of the nuance. As much as I love the word abide, as in God remains and is always with us, there is a connotation here that includes that God is also waiting for us. And so putting that together with the second verse, what we have is that as we are seeking out that love, that life, which is beyond comprehension, God is not only with us, but is also waiting for us, drawing us. God is waiting for us to discover that which we were meant to be. You've heard me say this before, that one of my favorite definitions of hope comes from the dissident poet, president of the Czech Republic, Václav Havel, who wrote, hope is not the same thing as optimism. It is not the conviction that something will turn out well, but the certainty that something makes sense, regardless of how it turns out. In short, I think that the deepest and most important form of hope the only one that can keep us above water and urge us to good works, and the only true source of the breathtaking dimension of the human spirit and its efforts is something we get, as it were, from elsewhere. It is also this hope, above all, that gives us the strength to live and continually try new things, even in conditions that seem as hopeless as ours do here and now. The news has been very bleak lately, and sometimes we can feel tempted to give up, to not follow that sense that there is something more, where the world not only can be, but is more open 
more loving, more brave, more compassionate, and more delightful. But every gay person in this sanctuary can attest that following that sense is worth it. And that community, that love, that assurance, that world exists. In fact, the sanctuary you are sitting in or connecting to online is part of that world. What I want to leave you with today is just this. We are not only building that world now, we already live in it. And we are compelled to share it. In fact, I believe that it would be morally wrong to not do so, to just try to keep it to ourselves. We build this world together and we grow it together. And as we inhabit it and nurture it, we know that there are dimensions of its beauty and joy that are beyond comprehension. And the only way to build out those dimensions is to remember God's love for us and God's abiding with us as we lean into that inexplicable power and hope that pulses with life. Happy Pride, Epworth. May it be so. Amen.
to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week. <clears throat> so this is the fourth time that Kristen has asked me to sing this song. And every time I'm like, why? <laughs> I love the song. I love the group. It's Talking Heads. Um, but I was trying to wrap my, I always keep trying to wrap my brain around what is the theology there? What is the, the significance when it comes to um, a service? And, and so I kind of came to a conclusion, whether it's her conclusion or not, oh well, um, that it, it uh, talks about, it talks about a, a relationship between two people, a love relationship, a, a typical modern love kind of thing. Um, but in it, it expresses what we all desire, which is a home, a place where we can feel loved, cared for, at peace at home. And, and we find it most in our relationships with each other. So that's what I can do with this song. Right? And I think uh, probably the key, for me, the key words in the middle of this song is, I'm just an animal looking for a home. Share, share this space for a minute or two with you or something of that nature. I'll get to that. So wish me luck. Where I want to be, pick me up and turn me round. I feel numb, born with a weak heart. I guess I must be having fun. The less we say about it, the better. Make it up as we go along. Feet on the ground, head in the sky. It's okay, I know nothing's wrong. Nothing. Hi, oh, I got plenty of time. Hi, oh, you got light in your eyes. And you're standing here beside me I love the passing of time Never for money, always for love Cover up and say goodnight Say goodnight Where I want to be, but I guess I'm already there. I come home, she lifted up her wings, 
guess that this must be the place I can't tell one from another Did I find you or you find me? There was a time before we were born If someone asked, this is where I'll be Where I'll hide We drift in and out my mouth out of all these kinds of people you got a face with a view I'm just an animal looking for a home share the same space for a minute or two and you love me till my heart stops Love me till I'm dead Eyes that light up Eyes look through you Cover up the blank spots Hit me on the head I'm 